0: This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. To support The Quest and being able to produce more local programming, please visit thequestatlanta.com and click the Donate button. Thank you for your generosity.
1: Hello, friends. Today, we at AM 1160 The Quest are excited to bring you a special presentation of Heaven's Light with Father Jim Blunt. Our episode today features a powerful mission talk by Father Jim. We hope you enjoy it.
2: In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, with your permission, I pray and speak to your beloved sons and daughters. Brothers and sisters, you just prayed the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, is that right? I prayed it uh, quietly upstairs in my bedroom. I'm glad you prayed it here, but we're giving you a prayer that you might say is one of the fruits of divine mercy. This is a prayer from Africa called the Precious Blood of Jesus Prayer and Devotion. And when the Bishops of Nigeria approved of this prayer and this devotion, they said in their letter that this is a continuation of the divine mercy. Our Lord Jesus Christ, blessed be his name, and his holy mother Mary, appeared to a young man, a teenager in Nigeria, a teenager named Barnabas, and Barnabas there in Africa had never been baptized. He was not Catholic or or Christian. He wasn't any religion. He's what they call a a quote-unquote pagan, not in a bad, we don't mean that in an evil way, but someone who's never had any religion at all, never been to church of any nature, was out in the jungle, in the woods of Nigeria, when Jesus appeared to him. Can you imagine that? A teenager in the woods, and Jesus and Mary appeared to him and started talking to him. And they began to appear to him almost on a daily basis. Now, here's the thing, he didn't know who they were. What's your name? Jesus. Who? Jesus. What's your name, beautiful lady? Mary. By the way, they speak English in Nigeria. That's a common language there. And so Jesus and Mary began teaching Barnabas, giving them what we'd call catechesis. And so they taught this young fellow about the Most Holy Trinity, and about the Catholic Church, and the seven sacraments, and about the virtues and the graces Finally, after about a year of this, Jesus and his mother told little Barnabas, by the way, he's still alive. He's in the seminary now to become a priest. He's in the seminary. They told Barnabas to go see the parish priest. And now he'd never been in the Catholic church in his life. And they said, ask the priest for your baptism. So he went up to the priest and said, Father, would you please baptize me? The priest didn't know him. And he said, well, we've got to give you lessons. He said, well, I've already had my lessons. He says, what do you mean? Who taught you? Uh, Jesus and Mary. Yeah, right, right. So he tested him. The boy knew more about the faith than anybody in the whole parish. He tested him right then and there. He had all the right answers. I imagine Jesus and Mary are pretty good catechism teachers, don't you think? He got like all A's. And so they baptized him almost immediately and gave him his confirmation. The Lord, as he began, as he taught Barnabas the Catholic faith, taught him this new devotion to the blood of Jesus. And what beloved is present at every Mass? The blood of Jesus. Amen. Well, beloved, they're on the altar. We're not even at Mass now, but it's almost like Mass, you know, solemn adoration. What is on the altar? jesus body blood soul and divinity and so we know from the council of Trent. we know from catholic tradition that in the consecrated host is both the body and blood is that right yes they're both present there that's why many eucharistic miracles the host begins to bleed i was saying mass in texas many years ago And I was asked by my superiors to go to a certain church on a border town between Mexico and Texas to celebrate the Sunday Masses there because there was a division in the church, a kind of a nasty, you know, a big division. And it was, you know, more or less between the Mexican Americans and the gringos, terrible. I don't know how it got started but they asked me if I would go and preach there, so I did, of course. And it just so happens that Sunday, you know what the gospel was? John chapter six. What is that? The Eucharist. The man who eats my body and drinks my blood will live forever. Amen. Now you say it too, okay? Because the word of God is a tonic. It's healthy. When you say it, when you say the word of God, it drives evil out of us and it brings healing graces within us. It's powerful. The Bible says it's more powerful than a two-edged sword. Amen. Say this after me. Say this after me. The man who eats my body and drinks my blood will live forever. I will live forever. Do you believe it? Yes. And if you have any doubt, you ask Mama Mary to give you her faith. Mama went to mass every day. You know that, right? Who was her priest? Saint John the Evangelist, your parish. And when Mama appeared at the approved and amazing apparitions in Knock, Ireland, she appeared in visible form. So the whole
3: town saw her.
2: Who appeared with Mother Mary in Knock? St. John the Evangelist. Is that amazing? St. Joseph, St. John the Evangelist were there with Mother Mary. And there also was an altar of sacrifice. And the Lamb of God was standing on the altar, seen by the whole village. Praise the Lord. Well, beloved, I was asked to go say Mass at this parish in Texas. So I said Saturday night Masses and all the Sunday Masses, a big parish, a lot of Masses, John chapter 6. And so what did I do? I preached about the Gospel, about the Eucharist. If anything can unite us as one people, it's faith in the divine presence of the Eucharist. Amen? And one day soon, the whole world will be Catholic. The whole universe will be Catholic. Amen. The angels are already Catholic, the angels, but now the people will all be Catholic as well. And so we preached about that. It was a joyful time. It, it sort of changed the parish and uh, the fire came down over us. And so after the homily I went to the altar and I prayed the prayers of consecration. This is my body given for you. And I held up the host And when I put the host back down on the patent, the top host of the smaller ones there had a one bright red circle like blood on it. And the presence emanating from the altar, from the Eucharist was like heat, like fire, like a flame of love. And so with the sign of peace, I turned to Lupe, She is the sacristan for that parish, Guadalupe. Lupe has been setting up for mass at that parish at that time every single day, Monday through Sunday, every day, Sunday and weekday masses, every day for 34 years has not missed one day in 34 years. Every single mass in that church. So I knew Lupe, a beautiful old Hispanic woman. I said, Lupe? Yes, Father. Lupe, do you see this? Yes, Father. Lupe, did you set up the host for mass before mass? I knew she did, she does every mass for 34 years. Did you set up the host? Yes, Father. Was this host with that bright red blood spot, was that there before the mass? No, Father. But during the consecration, Father, we back here, the the ministers of the Eucharist, we felt fire. all We were burning up with heat. And so, beloved, the top post had a bright red circle like blood on it. I knew it was the Lord. The altar was burning in front of me. So at Holy Communion, as I gave out Holy Communion to that beautiful parish, I didn't give that one out. I just worked around it because it was so fun just to look at him. Whoa, you're there. I love you, thank you. I just had to keep him there, he's my buddy, he's my best friend, he's my boss and my savior. Well, big church, a lot of people got near the end. I thought, you know what? I'm gonna show the last three people just to have public witnesses. The church is very scientific. We should not be afraid of science. True science always validates true faith. That's the Roman Catholic faith. And the Catholic faith always validates true science. There is fake science and there is fake religion. But there is true science and there is true religion. Amen? They always work together because the God of true science is the God of the Catholic Church. Amen? In fact, science, we we would not even have science today, was not for the gospel. It is through the Christian faith that science came into existence in the Western world. Almost all scientists were Catholic until like a hundred years ago. Well, beloved, I thought I should have three witnesses. and So I showed one, and then the second one. The third was a giant boy. He was like a football player, like six foot eight. Huge guy. I was well, that's a good witness. I said, do you see this? Yes, Father. But I gave him another host. I had to give him that one. And I brought it back on the altar. I asked Lupe to get me a special picks, a special container just for that host. And I put it in a special container in the tabernacle. I finished Holy Mass. As I walked down, I looked up. It's in the evening time on Sunday night. 100 people were lined up for confession, but there were no confessions scheduled. And now the only priest there, they weren't scheduled. They lined up, they didn't say a word. Jesus is in the Eucharist. And when he reigns, look out, he was there in the church. They lined up for confession. And I went into the confessional and heard confessions till after midnight. I heard every single one. Figure I might catch a few big fish, you know what I mean? (laughs) Heard every single one. And when I got done, like like from 7 p.m. till after midnight, I sort of crawled back to the altar, tired and sweating and my crew, they were all there waiting for me. I have the best team in the world. They love me and they pray for me. They didn't stop. They prayed the whole time I was in the confessional. They prayed for me, but also for the penitents that could make good confessions. I was so touched by their charity and I said, listen, I have a, I have a, a gift for you. Thanks for staying. Thanks for helping me. One was my driver. I said, guys, line up here, would you? So five members of my team lined up there and knelt down on the sanctuary. They didn't know what I had for them. I went to the tabernacle. I opened it, took out the special picks. I opened the picks and went to the first one. And I said, Juan, this is Jesus. And I showed him the host with the blood on it. And Juan is a big fellow, a big giant guy. He began to shake uncontrollably and fell on the ground unconscious for half an hour. Boom! I didn't touch him. I promise you I did not hit him in any way. He fell down in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I was as shocked as anybody else was when every single one of my team were overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because, beloved, is precisely the death of Jesus on the cross that not only paid the price for my sins, but won for me and you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen? The blood of Jesus was paid as the price that this little sinner could receive the Holy Spirit. Amen? So every time you and I invoke the blood of Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit flies down from heaven. When you invoke the price that was paid, the gift that was won comes. Amen? And so the Lord taught Barnabas and Nigeria special prayers. You can look up all of them, by the way, on the internet. They all have the imprimatur. Well, I was at the world meeting of families in Philadelphia a couple years ago, and I finished the meeting I had at midday, was walking down this huge convention center in the middle of Philadelphia, walking down and the bishops got out of their meeting at the same time. So as I walked down this giant hallway, all the bishops come out from the world meeting, like 500 bishops. I'm walking and the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to say hello to that bishop. Now listen, there's 500 bishops I don't know most of them. I've never seen this one before. He's a young African Bishop. The Lord said, I want you to say hello to him. I said, okay. So I went up to him and said, hello, Bishop. He said, hello, Father. I said, where are you from? He says, I'm from Nigeria. Well, I'm the one priest in this country spreading that devotion to the blood of Jesus from Nigeria. I said, you're from Nigeria? The blood of Jesus' devotion. He says, yes, Father, I know. I said, it came through Barnabas. He says, yes, I know Barnabas. I said, it has the imprimatur. He said, I know, I gave it the imprimatur. I couldn't believe it. Out of 500 bishops, the Lord said, talked to that one. I did. He's the one that gave it the imprimatur. Amen. And the same thing will happen to you as you were filled with God's Holy Spirit. Every Catholic should be Spirit-filled. Spirit-filled. The best way to get the Holy Spirit is A, pray the rosary every day, B, go to Mass, receive Holy Communion, and adore the Lord, and C, pray the blood of Jesus. Wherever you pray that prayer, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, the Spirit comes down over you right then. So I looked through the book, I read all the prayers and prayed them. I said, Lord, I need one to give to your people. I have a traveling ministry. So I looked through the whole book and found the shortest, shortest, easiest one. That's the one you have in your hands. Aren't I a nice priest? I found the easiest one, and that's for you. And this prayer, by the way, this is so interesting, so interesting. That prayer in your hand on the little red card, it was given to Barnabas by the Virgin Mary. She gave that prayer to him. You see why I'm saying that? Because Mama is not centered on herself. When we say Mary, she says Jesus. When we say Mary, she says Jesus. Amen? Mama is utterly Christocentric. She's totally centered on Jesus. She wants nothing other than your salvation. Amen? And she knows that your salvation and mine come through the shed blood of her divine son. She knows this. She says, I myself was saved by my son's blood in advance. Amen? So this prayer, Mama taught the visionary, it's only 12 words. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us and the whole world. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us and the whole world. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us and the whole world. Again, most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us and the whole world. One more time, most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us and the whole world. That's easy, isn't it? You can have it memorized this afternoon. Now, Our Lady said to Barnabas, she said, Barnabas, If you want to know how to pray well and to please my son Jesus, say this little prayer 500 times a day. Uh Uh-oh, now you just got mad at me. But it's up to you. But I do. I say it 500 times daily. This prayer, I've noticed, has a particular grace of deliverance. I would say exorcism, but I mean deliverance is released from the devil at a minor level, but still important. Let's say somebody's alcoholic. It has a deliverance or liberation grace to it, and also the grace of inner healing. When the bishops approved this prayer you have in your hand and the devotion, they said this is a continuation of the divine mercy that you just prayed. This is divine mercy 2.0. That's what it is. It's divine mercy at a higher level of liberation. Now, can I share with you at least one story of what I've experienced with this prayer? And then I want to pray it with you for a couple of minutes in front of the Lord. The blood we will invoke is present physically there in the monstrance. It truly is there, the Lord. I was visiting one of my brothers, Father Anthony. He's a priest as well. At that time, Father Tony had had a parish near Corpus Christi, Texas my brother would invite me to come and do a healing mass at his church once or twice a year. I was there to do a healing mass at his parish. In the rectory that afternoon, before the mass an emergency call came over the intercom system in the rectory. Emergency in the counseling room, all priests, emergency in the counseling room, all priests. There were five of us priests. It was quite an emergency, but you never know in a rectory what you're gonna get. You know what I mean? Anything can come through at any time. So I went down there, I ran down there. My brother was already there, Father Tony, and some other priests. And I received the word as I ran up with the secretary that it was a boy with a drug overdose, with a drug overdose. It's a true story. So I opened the door and peeked in. My brother's already there talking to the boy. Um, he's in bad shape. I look at him, I look at my brother, and I look at his grandmother who brought the boy. By boy, I mean a young man, I would say 24 years of age. I looked at him, and I realized immediately as I looked in his eyes, I did it on purpose. It's called the discernment of spirits. I looked in his eyes, and to put it very simply, I saw a demon. The boy was demonized. I could see the demon in his spirit. Jesus said, your eyes are the mirror of the soul. Isn't it true? Your eyes are the mirrors of your soul. If you know how to see, you can see a lot with somebody's eyes. If you're clean yourself, you can see when you meet other people what's there. I saw the demon. And so I told my brother and the other priest, go take a break. I'm the only one of the group that was certified as an exorcist have that training and that certification. I said, you guys take a break. They were worn out. Anyway, I really felt sorry for them. We priests work hard. I said, you guys take a break. I'll take this one. They all left. And I sat down with a young man and his grandmother and they told me the story. He was there from the emergency room of the hospital. He came from the hospital in Corpus Christi straight to the parish he was dying of a drug overdose why was he there well he was doing illegal drugs and when the nurses and doctors took his blood to find out what the drug was they could not determine which drug it was it was a new one by the way it's a new drug so it wasn't crack or heroin they thought it was one of those because he was turning purple and shaking and they said please tell us what you've taken because you're dying But in Texas, even if you're dying of a drug overdose, if it's an illegal drug, you are arrested. They'll keep you there in the emergency room, but they'll put a policeman with a gun next to you. He has to stay with you till you get better, then you go straight to the prison, or if you die, then he says goodbye. But that's the law in Texas. If you've taken an an illegal drug, even if you're dying, the officer arrests you right then and there. He won't put handcuffs on you, but he'll stand right outside your door. The young man did not want to be arrested. He was taking a drug that had just been made illegal six months before in Texas. Just so you know, it's called synthetic marijuana. Synthetic marijuana. Eleven boys had died using synthetic marijuana in the last 12 months. Eleven young men died from using this drug. So the Texas legislature made it illegal immediately the boy had a secret stash he was getting from somebody he was taking it every day now he was dying of an overdose because he was an adult he was able to sign himself out of the hospital legally if he was a minor he could not have done that he would not tell them what he had taken because he did not want to go to jail it was actually a bit foolish to be honest with you so he signed the papers though they begged him not to he called his grandmother, she picked him up. Those holy Mexican grandmothers, look out. Oh, those holy grandmothers. She put him in the car and drove him woo, straight to the church. She said, there's a healing mass tonight, you're coming with me. Straight to the church, she brought him. Brought him to the rectory, it was in the afternoon. So I sat down with him, I said, okay, call your mom and dad. He's shaking and he's purple. No, I can't, Go kill me. And I was thinking, well, you're going to die anyway. What do you care if they kill you? But I didn't say that out loud. He says, Father, they'll kill me. I says, no, they won't. Call them. No, he started crying. You have to call them. They're going to help you. They'll be mad at me. No, they will love you. So he called them and they came quickly within 10 minutes. And I gave his mother and his father and his grandmother and the young man that card you have in your hand. And we began to pray it together. That's what the Holy Spirit told me to do. He said, pray this prayer with his family. So we began to pray. So we're going to pray it right now, as I did with that boy, you and I right now, 10 times in a row. We're going to pray for anybody in your family who is addicted to any drug, marijuana, or anything else, including alcohol. Let's pray it 10 times now, that if it's you or someone in your family, the deliverance and the healing will begin to come today. Amen? Then I'll tell you the rest of the story, but let's say it now 10 times for anyone with addiction here or in your family. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Beloved, this is how we do it. I'm going to say the first half of the prayer, the first six words, and then you'll say the second half of the prayer, the second six words. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ. 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 Christ. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Isn't that powerful? It's simple, but it's powerful. It has an imprimatur, which has been approved. It was given from the lips of the Holy Mother of God. She taught us this prayer. We're going to use it again. Let's pray 10 more right now. I'm going to ask you to lead me. The Lord says to pray for anybody in your family who is suffering depression or suicidal temptations. You know, sad, depressed, or suicidal. That's a serious affliction. Sometimes it's demonic. We're going to pray it 10 times in a row for anybody in your family or anyone here who's suffering from depression or suicidal temptations. Amen? Very important. God can heal anything and anyone. So beloved, you lead me, you say the first half, I'm going to answer you 10 times in a row for those who are afflicted in our own families. Altogether, most. Save 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 us and the whole world. 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 world. Teach us how to count. <laughs> it's a new prayer I made up. Better one too many than one too few. Amen? Why do we say 10 more? Maybe that was a sign. Well, as we prayed that last 10, what came to me was this. This is very interesting. I know you'll know what I mean. The Lord says, pray for his people that God would free us from self-hatred. See, now I'm being anointed by the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? My body is tingling with electricity right now. Pray for those here today that you're being afflicted with that torment of self-hatred. That's not holy, by the way. It's not good to hate yourself. You don't want to be egotistical. No, never arrogant. We want to accept ourselves as creations of the all-beautiful God. Amen? It's not good to hate yourself. That's not good. When I ask the Lord to free us from any spirit of self-hatred in the church, okay? I'm going to leave this one and you would answer. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ. Now, say it with like you mean it, you know, say it with faith. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ, 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 most precious blood of Jesus Christ. Save us, Lord. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ. Save us, Lord. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ. Save us, Lord. Most precious blood of Jesus Christ. Save us, Lord. Amen. Well, beloved, to go back to Texas, I gave the father and the mother of the young man and his grandmother. And the boy himself that prayer you have in your hand i was determined to pray it with them all 500 times so we each took turns leading it 50 times the boy is purple and he's shaking he's dying but god told me what to do and i trust god he's the divine physician and so we began i led the first 50 and what i do beloved when i pray this daily i use my rosary beads I go around the rosary on every hill Mary bead. And so then I've said it how many times? 50. So I go around my rosary, how many times? 10 times with that prayer every day. Oh my heavens, if you could see what I have seen. So I led the first 50 and dad and mom and Grandmom and the young man answered me. As I led the first 50, the boy began to, what we call manifest. That means the demonic element began to come out. And he began to scream. He actually screamed. It was not a human scream. Don't mean to scare anybody, don't be afraid. We always win, we always win, amen? We always win. Well, if you read your Bible, your gospel, every time Jesus and the apostles set someone free from the devil, what's the first thing it says? The person screams. There's a demonic howl that comes out of them that's not bad that's actually good it means it's leaving you see we said it 50 times that boy screamed like you've never heard before he screamed doesn't matter we just kept on going i said papa his dad you lead the next 50. it's good to get the fathers involved in their son's healing amen the father is like the priest of the family i said papa you lead it now the dad led it 50 times and the boy stopped screaming It was gone whatever it was but he began to weep and cry and i mean from his bowels he cried from his stomach from his guts it was the saddest cry i've ever heard that's why he got involved in drugs in the first place he was so lonely and so broken his wife had left him he was crying sad as the father led them he was weeping we kept going When dad finished, he calmed down. I said, mama, you lead the next 50. Mama led the next 50. As mama led it, he cried again, but this time, not so deep, not so loud. It was a soft cry, much better, you might say. You could see he was being progressively healed and released. Mama got done, I said, abuela, that's Mexican for grandma, abuela, you lead the next 50. She led the next 50, no crying at all shaking but no crying then i said Hijo, son you lead the next 50. the boy led the next 50 all by himself he did it perfectly with no shaking that was 250 done he already looked 10 times better no screaming no crying no shaking the purple was gone his flesh was to regular color now i said let's keep going when you're winning don't stop So let's let's finish it. So I led 50 more. 50, Papa, 50, Mama, 50, Grandma, 50, and the young man, 50. So how many did we say all together? 500. Listen to this. The young man led the last 50. He was perfectly well by then. When he finished, he said, most precious blood of Jesus Christ. And we answered, save us in the whole world. Suddenly, when the boy finished and we answered him, he looked at me and he said to me, father it's gone why is that significant because I never said to the boy or his parents or his grandmother that he had a demon I never said it out loud I looked at my brother the other priest and said you guys go I'll handle this And I winked at them they knew what that meant they knew there was a demonic problem we could tell it was they knew it was demonic they they left so I could take care of it I never said it out loud But when we got to number 500 he said father it's gone i said i know it's gone god just set you free amen isn't the lord great and so when he got up to go i said now when you go home yes father i want you to say it 500 more times when you get home to make sure it doesn't come back you know what i mean that's in the bible too he'll he'll go in the desert and come back the devil Say it 500 times more when you get home tonight before you go to bed. The boy beloved was completely healed and set free. I came back to do another healing mass at my brother's parish many months later. After a mass, a regular daily mass, I was vesting in the sacristy, putting on my blacks. People were coming for prayers. I prayed over many, many people for more than an hour after mass. Each one came for a blessing. This is just a regular daily mass at night. When I got all done, I was putting on my blacks. When the sacristan said, Father, there's one more. I said, oh, where? I couldn't see anybody else. It was a huge sacristy. In the back of the sacristy, in the shadows, there was a young man. I said, come. I didn't even see him. A young man came up to me dressed in a three piece suit Ty, he looked like a movie star. He came up. I said, how are you? What can I do? He shook my hand. I didn't know who he was. He said, father. Yes. I came back to thank you. That was the boy who had been possessed. He said, since that day, I now have not touched any drugs at all. Zero in six months. The desire for the drugs left me entirely that same day. The desire. Amen? And that's why the Bible says about Jesus, he does all things well. Amen? All things he does well. He saved that boy from dying in front of us. He removed the demon from him. He took out the desire for drugs and restored his entire life. Amen? Beloved, your Jesus is alive. He is risen from the dead. And the church has always taught that in the host, in the Eucharist is the resurrected and glorified Christ. Did you know that? It's the risen Christ in the Eucharist. He is alive. He says, let me help you. Let me help you. God is not dead. He has risen from the dead and he can do anything to help you and I. Amen.
4: Amen. Hello friends, this is Staff Ike of Heaven's Light, along with Carol Tearsmith, Jack Tyson, and Rachel Miller at the board, and you've been listening to a mission presentation by Father Jim Blunt of the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity on AM 1160, The Quest. For any of those afflicted in any way in our own families, we've been treated today to a very special retreat, don't you think so? Just to hear the result of one powerful little prayer. Many miracles have been attributed to it. And that prayer is, as you've been listening, most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us and the whole world. Again, most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us and the whole world.
0: You, you know, Steph, we, we all have times when we fail to accept ourselves and, and the way we are. And, and And when that happens, Father suggests that we give thanks to God and give glory to him for for who we are, you know, his his unique children, his imperfect unique children, and mm-hmm. in Father's words, uh, you know, God is the is the divine uh, physician and uh, omnipotent healer. Uh, he described a critical moment when a young man, broken and heartbroken from losing his wife, you know, was turning to drugs, and progressively, slowly, he was he was dying.
5: Mm.
4: And as we know from the the retreat. Uh, talk by Father Jim, the young man was actually healed from his addiction. And it was through his family's fervent prayers, using this very short prayer, most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us and the whole world. Uh, I know Father Jim recommends this prayer. Um, He himself, he prays it 500 times a day at a minimum. So he invites us to do that too, when we have very difficult situations in our lives and family members who need healing. So as Father Jim said, our Jesus is alive, and he is the risen Christ in the Eucharist, and he wants to help us, both you and I, with, with everything.
0: You know, Carol, this this powerful prayer we've heard about today most most Precious Blood of Jesus Christ, Save Us and the Whole World, why don't we, why don't we say it ten times together uh, with and for our audience? Great, So, okay. so I'll kick it off, and I'll, I'll let you guys uh, respond, okay? Okay. Great. Most Precious Blood of Jesus Christ,
4: Save Us and the Whole World.
0: Most Precious Blood of Jesus Christ,
4: Save Us and the Whole World.
0: Most precious blood of Jesus Christ,
4: save us and the whole world.
0: Most precious blood of Jesus Christ,
4: save us us and the whole world.
0: Most precious blood of Jesus Christ,
4: save us and the whole
2: world.
0: Most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save us
4: and the whole world.
0: Most precious blood of Jesus Christ, save
1: us and the whole world.
0: Most precious blood of Jesus Christ.
4: Save us and the whole world.
0: Most precious blood of Jesus Christ.
4: Save us and the whole world.
0: Most precious blood of Jesus Christ.
4: Save us and the whole world. That was great. Thanks, Jack. Hey, everyone, stay tuned because after the break, we have a very inspiring homily on humility from one of our priests in the Archdiocese. You won't want to miss it.
3: In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support.
1: This
4: is Michelle Hines from Holy Spirit Catholic Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you for listening to AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio station.
5: Some Protestants use 1 Timothy 4, 1-3 against the Catholic practice of consecrated celibacy and Lenten observances, because Paul calls the forbidding of marriage and the consumption of meat doctrines of demons. Do Catholics need to be exercised? No. And here are some reasons why. First, Paul can't be condemning consecrated celibacy because in the next chapter he gives Timothy instructions on proper implementation of consecrated celibacy with regard to enrolled widows. Also, Paul can't be condemning all forms of abstinence from meats, since he was part of the decision at the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15 that decreed Gentile Christians abstain from meats offered to idols. What Paul was condemning is the Gnostic belief that nobody should marry, and that one should always abstain from meats, because matter is evil. So, fear not, Catholics, you have no need for an exorcism. I'm Carlo Brusard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com.
0: Hey, you. Yes, you. Have you heard the good news? The Quest Atlanta app makes it easy for you to take AM 1160 The Quest with you, no matter the time of the day or the location. Listen to your favorite shows on demand. Submit prayer requests. Report a testimonial. Catch up on the latest headlines from Catholic news sources with ease. Just search for The Quest Atlanta in the App Store or on Google Play to download today.
3: The Quest presents pro-life minutes
1: many people in our society who are against abortion are willing to make exceptions for cases of rape or incest when these same people are asked if criminals should be punished for their crimes they quickly agree that they should the supreme court ruled that neither rapists nor child molesters deserve the death penalty and that sentencing them to death would be cruel and unusual punishment why then are we sentencing innocent babies to death isn't that cruel and unusual punishment Innocent children should not be punished for their father's crime. Rape, incest, and abortion are wrong for the same reasons. They're violent acts of aggression against another person. Women need protection from criminals, not their babies. A baby is not the worst thing which can happen to a rape or incest victim. An abortion is. Let's show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity.
3: For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. The Quest presents Homilies from the Heart.
2: Today's homily features Father Michael Silway from Christ Our King and Savior Catholic Church in Greensboro, Georgia.
3: My dear friends, please pray with me the prayer to the Holy Spirit, which can be found on the prayer card in the pocket of the pew in front of you. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, we continue our boot camp, as it were, through ordinary time, the season of training and discipleship. And the Lord is teaching one of the most fundamental spiritual lessons today. Through our first reading, through our gospel, he's saying that if you are to be my follower, if you want to call yourself a Christian, if you want to be a disciple of me, The virtue that must exude out of your heart, out of your being, out of your mind, first and foremost, must be humility. St. Thomas Aquinas said that humility is the mother of all virtue. Do you want to be a person who's known for your temperance and your ability to ward off temptation? Well, in order to grow in that virtue, we first have to be humble. Do you want to be a person who's known for profound, chaste love? Well, first... We have to be humble. Do you want to be a person who's known as a promoter of true justice, giving to each what is due to them by their dignity? Well, first, in order to do that accurately and wholly, we must be humble. Do you want to be a person who is effusive in charity, the king of all virtues, the the objective of all virtue? Well, in order to be truly charitable, we must first. Be humble. It is the foundation upon which the whole structure of our moral life and our, our growth and virtue stands on. Venerable Fulton Sheen said so beautifully, I'll tell you again in one of the, the best books ever written, The Life of Christ, when he talks about the birth of our Lord Jesus, which itself was was on the moments of greatest humility, when God all-powerful Takes on flesh, and not as a king, you know, who wields with a gigantic sword and with military power and money at his disposal, but as a vulnerable baby. Is there anything more humble than that? He says there's only two classes of people that recognize the true presence of God in this baby Jesus. First was the poor shepherds, and second was the wise men. Why these two? Well, he says it's because they were humble the poor shepherds, because they were the ones who knew that they know nothing, the uneducated, and the wise men, those who know that they do not know everything. In both cases, profound humility. So we're dancing around this this topic of humility, this, this great virtue, which is the mother of all virtues. What is it? I think... You know, kind of a first blush. What I would anticipate if I could project upon what many people might think humility is, it's you know, it's a, a form of self-deprecation, of oh, I'm I'm not good enough. I'm not as good as people say, or or I'm I'm not as as holy as I ought to be. It's it's a, a way of kind of putting ourselves down. And friends, uh, that is not at all what true humility is. With humility being the mother of all the virtues and one of the greatest exemplars of humility in the human race, being the Blessed Virgin Mother, uh, you never see in a single moment Mary tearing herself down and being, oh, woe is me, I'm such a terrible human being. No. What is humility then? I think we can take a hint from something that happens in this gospel scene today. As these leading Pharisees have invited Jesus to kind of scope him out, who is he? They invited him to a dinner Maybe there's a little cocktail hour before or something, I don't know, everybody just kind of gathered around, trying to feel each other out. They're looking into Jesus and trying to figure him out, all the while he is reading their minds and their hearts. And as they're making their way to the dinner table, he sees them kind of jockeying for that place of prominence. He sees the pride and the arrogance rising up in them that they want to be noticed. They want to be seen as the greatest. Who's going to sit at the host's right-hand side? That's the place of prominence. And Jesus looks clearly into their souls and acknowledges what's going on right at its face value for all that it's worth. I think this is what's right at the heart of humility, is being able to look at ourselves not through the lens of our own perceived greatness, or through the lens of our own perceived terribleness, but through the lens of the eyes of God. To be truly humble means to recognize I am who I am in this moment, right here, right now, the good and the bad and the ugly. To look at myself through the very lens of how Jesus Christ looks upon me. As His beloved creature, worth dying for, Yet at the same time, a project continually unfolding, more work needing to be done. True humility is this recognition, that I am who I am right now, but the Lord has more to do in me. Brothers and sisters, an arrogant person or a person who sets aside the virtue of humility and is not concerned with it, is going to be a person who feels that they're already perfect. They've already got it all figured out. An arrogant person or a person who sets aside humility is going to be a person who thinks that there's nothing further I can do to make myself in any way, shape, or form better. They hide their brokenness and try to make it as if it doesn't even exist at all. But a humble person is one who readily acknowledges, yeah, I got things to work on, and that's okay. The Lord is with me, and because I know that He loves me, I can move through my wounds. I can move through my failures and grow in grace and in wisdom. Humility, just like any other virtue, requires repeated action in order for it to grow. Just think, does anybody fall out of their mother's womb courageous? Does anybody fall out of their womb, you know, with, with a spirit of perfect charity or with perfect fortitude and temperance? no. We become those things by doing repeated courageous things, by overcoming our fear. We become temperate by turning away from temptation time and time again and refusing to overindulge. We become charitable by doing charitable things over and over and over again. So that eventually they become habitual and we're a virtuous person when we do the virtuous, the right thing, like kind of knee-jerk reaction. That's when we've made it into true virtue. Humility is no different. Humility as a virtue must be exercised. And that's why I think our Lord, in in the second half of the story today, He tells them, look, don't be the kind of person who just assumes that you have the seat of honor. Rather, act in humility. Make an intentional choice to put yourself lower on purpose. Even though you may be the guest of honor, don't assume that you are. Sit at the lower seat. And then if it's the host notices, what are you doing down there? Get up here. You belong at the head table. I imagine just not only will you be saved the embarrassment of you weren't actually assigned that seat, but then you get to share the esteem of everybody else who's like, whoa, who's that? What? Jesus just called that? Wow. Holy mackerel. It has to be exercised and chosen. We have to do repeated humble things in order to become humble. And because, remember, humility is the mother of all virtues. If we want the other virtues, this is the one we've got to work on the most. And I think the reason for that is precisely because the vice that is juxtaposed opposite of this virtue is pride, which is at the heart of the original sin. God, I don't need you. I'm an Eve in the garden, remember? We'll take knowledge of good and evil for ourselves. We don't need you to tell us what that is. Humility is the antidote to the primordial brokenness in human nature. And so, therefore, any of the other virtues to grow upon it, we have to be working on this one, exercising this virtue over and over and over again. Mother Teresa had a short list of things you can do to grow in humility. There's also a great prayer called the Litany of Humility. I encourage you to check it out. And if you are a person of great courage, pray it. And try to pray it and actually mean it. It'll it'll do a number on your soul when you think about what you're saying. But listen to the short list of Mother Teresa. Things you can do to grow in humility. Strengthen that virtue within. Speak as little as possible about yourself. Keep busy with your own affairs and not those of others. Avoid curiosity into things you know are sinful. Do not interfere in the affairs of other people. Accept small irritations with good humor. Do not dwell on the faults of other people. Accept censures even if they are unmerited. Give in to the will of others. Accept insults. Accept contempt being forgotten and disregarded. Be courteous and delicate, even when provoked by someone. Do not seek to be admired and loved. Do not protect yourself behind the image of your own dignity. Give in in discussions even when you are right. Choose always the more difficult task. I would add on to this a concrete one that I was pondering on that it came to my mind about my own father. If you asked him if he was considered himself a humble man, he'd probably say he wasn't. But certain things in his life prove that he is. And when dinner time would come around, and I I remember this, I can't tell you how many times we'd have family dinner and, you know, the pork chop plates being passed around or the hot dogs are going around or whatever happens to be the food of the evening. My dad would wait to go last. And he always wanted to make sure that whatever like piece of meat was, was the most burned or the most gangly or, the, or the, the most undesirable, he would take that one to make sure that his wife and his kids had the best options available to them and never complained about it. I can't tell you how many charcoal pieces of meat my dad ate. But what a simple and beautiful act of humility. Every dinner he had the opportunity to exercise that virtue which allowed, therefore, other virtues to grow in his heart. Friends, our Lord tells us that those who exalt themselves are going to find themselves humbled and not in a pleasant way. They will be moved to the very bottom, to the last place of all. But those who willingly humble themselves, those who put God at the center of their lives, who put the needs of others before themselves, those who see themselves with the very eyes of God, recognizing this great juxtaposition that we're in on the one hand the beloved of the heavenly father sons and daughters chosen flooded with grace but at the same time a project in constant need of work and repair people who are striving for greater holiness they will be exalted
2: you've been listening to homilies from the heart on am 1160 the quest Today's show featured Father Michael Silway from Christ our King and Savior Catholic Church in Greensboro, Georgia. Hello, I'm Mike from Atlanta. You've discovered AM 1160, The Quest, where faith meets life, covering all of Metro Atlanta and beyond. Listen on air or online at thequestatlanta.com any time of day.
3: The Quest presents A Daily Dose of Virtue with Jay Tremonti from
5: Venture with Virtue what's the outcome you want for your life what about your children if our ultimate goal is heaven then we need to form habits that help lead us there habits are essential because we become what we do and virtue is just that the habit of doing good do you know what the number one predictor of your child's spiritual life is i'll give you a hint it's your spiritual life If we want our children to get to heaven, we have to set the example for them to follow. It starts with the habit of prayer. Prayer is the foundation for the virtues that lead to heaven. Prayer has the greatest impact when it's the first thing we do in the morning. When we start the day with prayer, it spills over and touches the rest of our day. And that is powerful. For more homegrown wisdom, visit
3: thequestatlanta.com. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica.
4: Say, for example, a child dies at 6, goes straight to heaven. Wonderful. Somebody else dies at 85, goes to purgatory, and then goes to heaven. Isn't that a similar thing, huh? You say, hey, wait a minute, by golly, I got the same degree of glory as this kid but that's what the lord says you see the sinner can go to heaven maybe not straight to heaven they have to be purified but the greatest sinner can go to heaven and the most innocent child goes to heaven there's not a high heaven and a low heaven there is heaven they have greater degrees or lesser degrees of holiness but they're in heaven
3: the people you know and trust are on EWTN This is the home of listener supported Atlanta Catholic Radio AM 1160 The Quest WCFO East Point Atlanta